One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Michael Reed on LMFM. Tuesday morning, the 25th of February. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. Leo Bradker and Mihon Martin meet today for what is being described as exploratory discussions. The talks will be the first step towards an historic grand coalition of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. The prospect of such a union has seemed impossible for the last 100 years, but edges closer with politics proving to be the art of the possible when you're left with no other choice but to bury the hatchet. Policy-wise, uh, there's little between the two parties. Both have recently seen a dramatic fall in popularity and both are determined to, to stop the rise in Sinn Féin popularity. So between now and April, or May even, the two will spend the next four, eight or possibly... 12 weeks, perhaps, trying to do what's best in the national interest. There are big issues to resolve, like who will be the next Taoiseach, or if uh, they might rotate that role, and will Michal get the first go at the job, or if Leo is willing to step back for a while. Meanwhile, the rest of us think that the national interest lies in other issues, issues like coronavirus, flooding, crime, homelessness, or health. Yesterday, 81 patients who were admitted to hospital had to be treated on a trolley because there was no bed available for them on a ward in Limerick. Nationally, 573 were treated on trolleys, 26 locally, with 15 on trolleys in Drogheda and 11 in Navan. The Save Navan Hospital campaign held a public meeting last night. Its chairperson is the leader of the AIN2 party, Peter Tobin, TD, who's on the line. And a very good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us. I take it as there is uh, little optimism given that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil policy is uh, to downgrade the hospital. Yeah, so I suppose the background of this is very simply that uh, stroke patients were treated very, very well uh, in Navin Hospital. Um, they had access to CT scans uh, on admission and they had access to thrombolysis, which is obviously the, the most uh, modern form of treatment for patients uh, with stroke. And indeed, we have a, a record of of um, 63 fast patients um, being admitted over two years and being treated very, very well. Um, obviously, t- uh, just under two weeks ago, there was a, a statement by the National Ambulance Service which said that uh, ambulance drivers had to bypass Navin Hospital from now on with um, stroke patients. Now, there was no um, co- consultation whatsoever with anybody, uh, even the people who work in that area within the hospital turned up for work that morning and 
uh, had had nothing to do literally uh, that morning because uh, there wasn't uh, any patients coming in with stroke as a result of of the of the changes. So at the very least, um, we're shocked by the HSE's attitude one to our hospital, uh, two to the patients uh, in our county, um, and three to the lack of consultation that's happening. So what we've we've said very clearly is that we are now going to dust down our uh, marching boots and uh, we are going to take to the streets uh, and force the government to get in contact and discuss with us about the future of Navan Hospital because this is is the background to this, the context to this is, as you say, is a government over the last 10 years who has had the objective to reduce the hospital, to downgrade the hospital from a level three hospital to a level two hospital. And the critical element of this as well is not just the the dozens of patients that go through with regard to stroke on an annual basis in our hospital, but many of the uh, services that are necessary for stroke Mm -hmm. patients are also necessary for the, um, the ICU for the intensive care unit, are also necessary for the A&E. And uh, the hospital is like a jigsaw. If you take any of these pieces away, after a while then, you lose the ability to run a proper 24-hour A&E. And we've said very clearly, and it is the policy of the government, the governments are looking to close down uh, overnight A&E first and foremost and A&E during the daytime. It's the policy of several governments though, isn't it? Uh, it's not just uh, the Fine Gael-led administrations of uh, the last decade or nine years as uh, the case may be. This goes back uh, to 2008 and has been national policy since Fianna Fáil were in office. It has, but it's interesting that you mentioned obviously the catastrophe that exists down in Limerick at the moment. The same policy that it seeks to close down the A&E in Navan is a policy that closed the A&E in Clare in Ennis and is a policy that closed the A&E in Nina. And here we are, we were told in that transformation uh, process that there would be centres of excellence and the necessary capacity put into place to make sure that patients were treated better, we were told, mm. than uh, the, the existing service. And yet, even with the closures of those two hospitals uh, in those two counties, we have a, a massive w- uh, waiting list and trolley counts uh, in Limerick. So, there's no doubt in my mind that the process that has been undertaken hasn't been for the betterment of patients, but has been to reduce the spend uh, in those uh, particular elements of the health service. And um, it's also interesting, I think, that this particular cut in our service in Navan happened during just after the election. So we're in a kind of an interregnum period. There's the, in between two administrations, the previous one and the next one. Yeah, well, that brings us to the next question, because you said you're going to dust off your marching boots and to make the government listen. Which government? Well, first of all, what we're looking to do is we, we have, I've been in contact with the Ireland East Hospital Group uh, for 14 months, seeking a meeting with them. And for 14 months, they have refused to give us a meeting. So what we're doing first and foremost is we're going to go to the headquarters of the Ireland East hospital group and we're going to have a picket and protest outside of their building Um, and to do that basically we're looking for uh, that group to sit down with us and discuss the future uh, of our own hospital. That will happen at 2pm on Wednesday the 4th of March. Uh, It's the first step of this process. If we don't get a a consultation, a discussion and a return to the services from the Ireland East Hospital Mm. Group then we're going to have to take to the streets uh, of County Mead uh, at that stage. Uh, We want to be able to do this in in the most cooperative, uh, most um, logical way with the HSE, with the government, with the Ireland East Group, 
Um, but if they do not uh, literally sit down with us and talk to us about the future of our hospital, we will have uh, no other alternative but to bring tens of thousands mm. of people. If they do sit down with you, though, most likely, I'm sure you'll agree, they'll tell you that uh, this is in the interest of patient safety and that outcome for patients will be better as a result in this policy change. And uh, I suppose many people listening to us would wonder, why is it you believe uh, that politicians uh, and other people who support you believe you can tell doctors and experts in healthcare what's in the best interest of people who need critical care? Well, first of all, I would say that it's not doctors that are is driving this particular agenda because uh, one of the the um, the things that we did as a hospital campaign a number of years ago is that we contacted all of the GPs uh, in the Meath area and the vast majority of those GPs signed a document, a letter, uh, which opposed any cuts in Navan Hospital. Uh, and so if, if you're talking about what GPs and doctors want, their interests are to maintain proper services at Navan Hospital. Well, um, I think also, the centralisation of services has uh, the support of consultants and health experts so globally. Certain, there are certain services that have to be centralised, and we're, we're not arguing about that. There's, for example, trauma does no longer uh, is dealt with in Navan Hospital. Uh, trauma is dealt with uh, in other hospitals, um, larger hospitals, and that's because they're better equipped to do that. Now, the, the, the government states that the throughput of stroke patients uh, through Navan Hospital uh, is not enough. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, over the last number of years, they've been cutting back all the different pathways for stroke patients to be able to attend Navan Hospital. Um, and if you look at the actual facts, uh, and I, I indicated there, the 63 patients that went through Navan Hospital had access to um, CT antithrombolysis and had positive outcomes. Mm. And there are dozens and dozens of people who are walking around the county of Meath today on the basis of access to Navan Hospital for stroke. And the, the truth of the matter is that stroke is phenomenally time sensitive. People know that. The advertisements that we see in the television tell us that we have to react fast to this. And we have a system whereby you know patients are forced to uh, bypass their closest hospital, that obviously puts a time delay onto the system. And we also know uh, that uh, ambulances are very difficult to get at times uh, in County Mead. Mm. Uh, this is because of this new dynamic deployment system that the HSE has. People would look for an ambulance. This ambulance could come from Dundalk or could come from Tullamore. Uh, but we know that these ambulances will now be spending time in traffic in Dublin and potentially waiting outside of hospitals in Dublin. Mm. And that has to hurt. Well, um, there's two strands to it uh, because uh, time is of uh, the essence uh, because it can lead to, to the early onset of uh, dementia and so on. There can be very serious complications resulting from a stroke. Uh, but it's uh, timely, effective care that uh, is the issue as far as uh, people's outcomes uh, are are concerned and it's one thing getting timely care but if it's not uh, effective uh, well then it's more or less futile Uh, and if people are listening to us uh, today and they're interested in themselves or their loved ones and they're concerned that if somebody has a a stroke uh, they'd be concerned if they're being brought to Navin if the care that is given there is not effective and if the HSE is suggesting that the care given to patients taken elsewhere will be uh, better for them that their outcomes will be better that's what people want, is it not? Well, of course, people want their outcomes uh, to be better. There's no doubt. And, you know, the way to make sure that outcomes are better is to have a properly functioning health service and to make sure that it's properly funded. And Navin Hospital has had its funding reduced practically every year for the last 10 years. 
So, um, you know, we were told that this centralisation process would happen with a new regional hospital uh, to be built in the northeast region. That's never happened whatsoever. So we've had the cutbacks uh, financially in services, uh, etc. But we haven't had um, the alternative new hospital uh, services provided. So we've we've had all the, the negative aspects of this process and none of the positive aspects to this. And you started this whole segment mm-hmm. with the fact that the health service itself is creaking under the weight of the demand and because of the lack of capacity. And all we're saying is don't cut capacity in meat. Invest in capacity in meat. If there's ever a problem with regards to the quality of services that happens in Our Lady's Hospital uh, in Navan, make sure you focus on funding it properly uh, making sure that the proper resources, that we have the capacity with regards to beds, uh, the drugs, the technology mm. and the doctors. And if that's a positive way to make sure that uh, treatment is, is improved. There's 200,000 people living in Mead at the moment. When I was a kid, there was 100,000 people living in the county. Very shortly, there'll be a quarter of a million people living in Mead. And yet the, the attitude of the HSC and the governments uh, that have happened over the last while has been to reduce that service. And that is that, in my okay. view, is a danger to patient safety. OK, well, let's uh, assume for a second that all of your arguments are correct uh, and uh, that the HSE should be persuaded uh, to do otherwise and restore the service in Navin. Uh, what point is there uh, exercising any thought in relation to it, given the current political landscape? Because you're not going to change uh, the medical opinion or the expertise in the HSE who will argue that they know better and that patient outcomes are better elsewhere uh, and you're not going to convince a, a government to direct the HSE otherwise because there is no government and the next government will not be in place until March, April, possibly May, uh, possibly towards the end of May even uh, and that government is going to comprise of two political parties, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, who have for over a decade, as you said at the outset, had this at the heart of their national health policies. Well, first of all, first of all I just want to put a lie to the, the statement with regards the changes in the health service are happening for people's best medical interests. We know that there are 300 people currently a year dying in Ireland due to hospital overcrowding. So the management of our hospital services uh, in this country currently Mm. are so that they're actually leading to the death of people that uh, could otherwise be saved. The second issue there is you mentioned about the the fact that we have a political establishment who has a history of closing down services. But we also have a history of standing up for ourselves and meet. Ten years ago, the, the Save Navin Hospital campaign was formed. There were nine hospitals on a HICWA list, a HICWA hit list, to have their A&Es closed. Navin is the only hospital still standing of those nine hospitals. So the campaign and other issues with regards... Um, well, uh, yeah, the other issues are important. Elsewhere, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, has, I mean, ...has had the effects of actually uh, saving the, the A&E in Navin Hospital. In my experience, there are three things that can make a change in the political uh, system in Ireland. Mm-hmm. First of all, expose injustice. And that's what the hospital campaign has been doing over the years with regards to cuts. The second issue is feed on the streets. There's nothing that the establishment, both the HSC and politicians hate more than actually people standing up for themselves uh, and marching. But what is the establishment? I mean, this is the point. We're in this political vacuum. You're not going to change the mind of the independent health authority and there is no government. And when there is a government, government. it's going to be made up of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. 
this is an important thing. There is a government. Uh, while we are between two there's administrations, there is yes, still, there's still a minister. Mm-hmm. And that minister has still a responsibility to the people. Mm-hmm. And that minister still has a democratic responsibility to the people. And we're not in some kind of dictatorship at this stage that ministers uh, are entitled to deliver um, decisions without any mm. referral to the needs of the people. So, you know, we have had a very high success rate as a campaign before in holding the governments to account. We know that this particular cut with regards uh, stroke patients uh, is part of a, a larger project to cut services in the hospital. Mm. And so those policies haven't changed, uh, but uh, the ability uh, to bring about change uh, has uh, been scuppered by the lack of capacity, as you said, elsewhere. Uh, do you accept that it will be a, a government uh, that uh, will be formed in some way following a coalition of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil? Yeah, in my experience, first of all, with regards to government formation, I think it's deeply frustrating that we have had so much uh, theatrics happen uh, over the last number of weeks. So we've had uh, politicians, you know, say to me that there's not going to be government until uh, April or May. These are the same politicians that just before the election said that there was a massive urgency to deal with the housing crisis, the health crisis, uh, and uh, the crime issues in this country. We've also got politicians, Fine Gael politicians, who have stated that uh, they have to prepare for opposition as if they needed some kind of plan to mm. walk across the chamber in the doll. And then we had an, another politician who said that there should be some international facilitator to help Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael negotiate with each other. And this, these are two parties with a paper wall between them with regards to differences uh, in their, their, their uh, policies. So what I would say to the political establishment is inject a little bit of urgency here because we have the crisis that you mentioned at the start mm-hmm. of the programme and we have, at the same time, we have politicians pirouetting on the plinth in Leinster House. And what about, the alternative? what about the alternative? A government led by Sinn Féin, is that off the cards? Well, in, in my view at this stage, it, it looks like that is the case. It looks like the Fianna Fáil are not going to go into government uh, with Sinn Féin, and it also looks like the Sinn Féin don't have the numbers. And one of the uh, reasons people don't want them going into government is this claim that the politicians in Sinn Féin are being directed uh, by the Provisional IRA Army Council. Is that claim true? Well, I have no evidence to verify uh, that claim. And in the 21 years that I was with that political party, I saw no evidence uh, that the, there was an army council directing anybody uh, within that organisation. What I will say, Tina, is I've, I've said this before and I'm on the record first, uh, is that there is a, a democratic deficit, I believe, uh, within the, uh, the, the party. I believe that the party needs to, to empower its membership far more. You know, I, I, I mentioned that when I was a TD. Does that include uh, its leadership? Well, when I was a TD, the, the, the parliamentary meetings that we had, for me, they felt like focus groups. In other words, no decisions were actually taken. Um, but the, the, let's say the temperature was tested. And, and, and who, that led... who is it that's making the decisions then, if it isn't the politicians or the leadership? Well, there's, there's a small group of people around what's called the National Officer Board uh, of uh, that political party. They are, you know, elected from the, the Ordesh. Um, but it's a very centralised decision-making process. And what I would say to, to the leadership of, of Sinn Féin, they have an enormous mandate at the moment. What they need to do is reform their political party. They need to empower their elected reps, allow their elected reps to make more decisions uh, about um, the, the issues that they're, they're facing and 
make sure that the the Ord, the Ordash actually votes a majority of the Ord Korea and, and when, in the future, but, because right now it doesn't. When when you say uh, you've seen no evidence uh, that the decision makers were members of uh, the Provisional Army Council, uh, have you seen any evidence that they weren't? Well, first of all, in, in any liberal democracy, uh, a lack of evidence is not a proven uh, of guilt. So in other words, if, if, if there's a, an allegation made against you, the person that makes the allegation has to prove yeah, the allegation. Of the pe- some of the people you, you talk about were members the of the IRA, weren't they? Well, and, and this is the thing. Like we had, a, we had a peace process in this country, and the peace process in this country said to the militarists, desist from violence, become part of the political system in this country, and achieve your objectives in peaceful political ways. And obviously that happened. So yes, there are people within uh, Sinn Féin who are former IRA volunteers. But surely that was the objective of the peace process. Now, I'm not here defending mm-hmm. uh, a previous party. I'm just giving my honest analysis of, you know, uh, this the situation. But and you are that, saying that as a former Sinn Féin TD, there was no evidence that the people who were making decisions and directing you and the leadership of uh, the party, there was no evidence that they were not members of uh, the Army Council. What, what I'm saying to you is I've, I've saw no evidence in all the years that I was in that political party that there was a, an existing Army Council directing the organisation. And no evidence that there wasn't. But again, you know, and this is this is the thing in a liberal democracy. Uh, when you make an allegation, you need to provide evidence of it. You know, you don't need to provide evidence that uh, did you you're, ever you're ask? innocent. You need to pro- the the person making the allegation mm. needs to make an allegation. Uh, the evidence that you are guilty, and that's mm. and, and it, 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 we get into a very strange situation uh, in a society uh, if we leave the rules of a liberal democracy behind. But you're only guilty of something if you're doing something wrong, and to some degree that's a matter of perception. Uh, Did you ever ask if uh, there was an army councillor or if uh, the people who were making decisions for you and directing you and how to act as a a TD were members of uh, the IRA Army Council? Um, Any of the experiences I had within the party, and I was pretty much uh, active at most of the, of the levels uh, of that uh, political party. Indeed, I was asked to join the National Officer Board, and I refused uh, in the end because if I did, I wouldn't have been able to articulate my views on some some issues that I feel mm. very strongly about. Uh, in other words, I would have to have buried my views uh, completely on that. And for me, to be uh, active in politics means you need to stand up for what you believe is important. I've always felt there's no point in me being a TD in Leinster House representing and uh, the good people of Midwest, if I was simply going to uh, bury my deeply held understanding of how the world works. And um, so uh, on that basis, I wasn't involved uh, in the National Officer Board. Did you of ask, the party. I was asked to be a member. No, no, no. Did, did you ask uh, if you were taking direction from the Army Council? Well, first of all, I would know if I was taking direction. Um, you, you work in a, a, a particular mm. uh, business uh, in County Louth. You take direction of people within that organisation. I'm sure you, you know who you're taking direction of. Any time that I felt that I was asked to do something by the party that I was uncomfortable with, I stood up for what I believed was right. Mm. But you said that there was no evidence that you were taking direction from the Army Council. There was no evidence that you weren't. Did you ever I no, ask? I, I have no reason to um, to defend my previous political party in this manner. So, if I did have evidence, um, there would be it would be logical for me to to articulate that evidence. I have articulated previously that I understand 
there to be serious Democrat, Democrat uh, deficit uh, within that political party. And I've come under sustained attack from members of that party mm. for, for saying that. So it's not a case I'm afraid. Okay, well, I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think people listening now will think it's a little bit odd that you're not answering that question. And if you don't want to answer that question, that's fine. I'm I'll sorry, stop I, asking I, it. But the question is, did you ask uh, if uh, the direction was coming from the Army Council? Did you ever ask that question? I didn't ask that question, no. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there for the moment. And thank you indeed for joining us thank on the programme this morning. That's Peter Tobin, uh, the leader of uh, the AIN2 party. He's a, a TD for Mead West and chair of uh, the Save Navin Hospital campaign. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.